Today, we're talking about a comic in which girls become were-panthers when they get their period. Welcome to Panelism, the show about comics and graphic novels worth having on your shelf. I'm Todd A. I'm a man eater. <laughs> I'm not. I'm Taylor Trask. Hi, Todd. Uh, hello. You know what's funny now is that when we record these, I'm expecting the music cue to happen like as we're talking to each other, mm -hmm. <laughs> even though I do that later. <laughs> in post they would yeah, say yeah, yeah. but it's like i i'm like waiting like we're in that that moment like this pregnant pause of like where's the music um <laughs> so it feels very uh very quiet it's a steamy one here in southern california so you may hear the two fans i have on in this room right now oh man i've got a fan on too it's 97 here today the days of the beautiful oh. 70s summer are long gone so i just gotta kind of hold my breath until end of august september I yeah, think. I every time I find out what temperatures are not in Southern California, I I feel like a jerk. Uh, that is definitely steamier than it is here. I suppose the difference is no AC and no insulation. Oh yeah, yeah, I could imagine that being a little bit more uncomfortable. Well, I, I I'm not trying to plead uh, discomfort. Just um, I I think there's definitely that relative difference in in temperature. Like you know you're you're. It, you're in Southern California. The sun is hot and there is no humidity. Um, but yeah, it's not actually like as many degrees as as the rest of the country. So speaking of Southern California, Todd, have you yes. have you seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, or is that something that's not of I have not seen you? it yet? Uh I, I I've you and I texted a bit about it this weekend. Um you saw it on uh, opening night or there close there too. Um, yeah, that's Saturday, Saturday night. I had seen uh, Midsomar last week, which, which I wish I would have seen. To be honest with you, now that now that I can now that I've seen mine and I've heard enough about Midsomar, and it, of course that's A twenty four, which A twenty four is the Image Comics of of indie. You know, you nailed it. <laughs> yes, exactly. It is a brand you can just like go into any movie as long as you see that A twenty four logo. You can go in knowing nothing, and you will be satisfied. Uh, more than you normally would at a, at a theater. So. Have you yet seen Under the Skin? No. Speaking Should of I? 24 films. I think you would dig it. Um, I myself uh, am quite squeamish uh, in certain aspects and had to turn it off <laughs> um, a little more than midway through, but I appreciate what other people really enjoyed about it. So um, yeah, it's, I, you know, I'll go around recommending it, but for you, yeah, I think you, I think you would enjoy it. Well, another it, speaking of, of Southern California again, and a twenty four again, and a movie that begins with the word "under" uh, again, uh, "Under the Silver Lake." Oh yeah, yeah, movie. yeah. Uh, that one I really recommend. I mean, that's that really gave me a, a good sort of mainline injection of SoCal. Um, yeah, more so than than uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood did. So, yeah, you um, recommended that to me last week, and it which is available on Prime Video right now. Yeah, for free if you have Prime, you just grab it for free. If I, I think a week yeah. ago it just moved over. I was gonna rent it, and then I was like, oh, yeah. good, now I don't have to pay. But um, I I immediately added it to my watch list, and then the boys came out, and oh, I oh shoot, are you are mainlined you all of that? 
Have you started? Yeah, Are you finished? I've seen it. Oh yeah. Uh, and uh, thoughts? I, we may need a separate episode on that as well. Oh, so I, I didn't. I haven't read the comic. Um, was completely unfamiliar with this. Uh, the first volume, at least, I think is is on Comicsology right now, just mm-hmm. on the unlimited. But um, I, I may stay away from it. You know, I mean, I binged it, so I think that means like I was into it. You know, did you see Umbrella Academy? Remind not me, not yet, still not. No. I was going to ask if you liked that one better because I I saw all of Umbrella Academy and loved it, and I think this kind of from the look of it, it kind of feels a little, little uh, off center like that. And I, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm really into adaptations that look like that right now. Yeah. Cool. Adding well, it to my list too, as we speak. Uh, these are all good topics to lead into the comic book that I am bringing to us today because we are talking about uh, uh, horror adjacent, um, <laughs> uh, you know, movies and, um, uh, and just general creepiness. And, uh, I'm going to talk about man eaters today. Ah, see, my singing the hollow notes classic was not random as some of no, you no, no. thought. <laughs> and the uh, the little blurb you heard me say at the top of the show is uh, that is how I was describing it to friends. And then it was almost verbatim what the writer Chelsea Kane said in the panel I saw at Comic-Con ah, uh, as her elevator pitch. You know, it was like, if you don't know this comic, it is about teenage girls who turn into were panthers when they get their period. Mm. Um, and I was telling you before we hit record, uh, this is one of those books where I, there is just a tightrope of like, I, I, I don't want to give too many story details away. Um, but I almost have to just talk about it as like a comic, uh, you know, as comic, like, <laughs> <laughs> like if that makes sense, like you know, this is uh, ours, uh, gratia artis kind of thing. Like this is mm-hmm. just comic for the sake of comic. Um, I mean, and it, it's got a great story, and it's like uh, grounded in our present moment, and it's uh, it's so so well done, art wise, writing wise. Like I, we're going to talk on, uh, I, I think, just sort of standout aspects was how I put it, rather than mm-hmm. than going through the actual story. Which so, is totally fine because there are days when we do book reviews where I'm like, ooh, we, I feel like I'm giving away too much, but at the same time, yeah. I want to give enough context so that readers can decide. You know, like when you go to that comic shop, it's got to be more than just the back of the book, more than just the cover. Like, give me a little bit more. So I think in this case, this is probably the right way to go. And I'll I'll give a little. Just I haven't read any of it except for one issue. And I will say if, yeah. if you're listening and you're by a computer, go to Image Comics and look at the covers of the single issues. Oh. And you'll get a sense of kind of how, you know, I don't want to say avant-garde, but just how inventive and interesting this is as this is as a series. Uh yeah. And, and and we'll touch on some aspects of that too. But I but I would say this is a, otherwise a spoiler-free review of this and just like a, a, a huge heaping of praise on this this book that I think is just amazing and everyone should read. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, one of the few comics where I think it's like, you know, it's it's at the right time, like socially and culturally, uh, and the it, it's just so um, on point in its storytelling and its like aesthetic and everything that it's it's one that I would say, hey, I don't care what kind of comics you read, go read this. Like it is that superior is my feeling. Nice. So, wow. A little bit on the um, you know, let's hit the details of it. Uh <clears throat> I, I I I said at top, you know, it was written by Chelsea Kane. Um this is a book that came out of 
the core creative team that was on Mockingbird for a volume and a half at Marvel. Mm -hmm. And as, um, and, and all throughout this pot, this episode, I'm going to refer back to that San Diego comic-con panel because it was so unique in that they didn't have a moderator and Chelsea basically told the story of, of man eaters origin and, and then sort of pitched it, you know, to her co-creators to, to let them fill in all these details. And it, it was just, I, I just loved every part of it. I don't think I've ever seen a panel like that. Um, nor do I think I've ever read a book where I, I man, there's not a weak link on this team, you know, and mm -hmm. it's, it's mm -hmm. so, uh, it's so good. And you almost want to say, um, like, gosh, I wish they could have kept going on Mockingbird, but it's like, no, fuck Mockingbird. Like, this is so much better. Yeah. Creator <laughs> anyway, properties usually are. They, yeah, totally. They were on Mockingbird. And as we covered in our episode on that, um, it, it drew an, and this is how Chelsea put it too, they, it drew like an outsize amount of criticism from Marvel readers for some of its themes, which I thought were all done in uh, great fun. Like, um, and any of its, you know, uh, feminist themes were also playing on the trope of like spies and spy movies and stuff. You know, we talked about in that episode, like the beefcake guys versus sort of the cheesecake women of James Bond films and things like that. It was to me, it was never, you know, it was never like strident or blatant or anything. It was just like a super fun action book with a female protagonist. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, that got prematurely canceled. Uh and um, Chelsea was sort of kicking around ideas and um, had this other co-creator she wanted to work with. Who I don't believe it was on Mockingbird at all. Um, uh, and that is uh, Leah Mitternik. Um, and Leah was on stage at Comic-Con, was one of the co-creators. She is a graphic designer. Um, but then Chelsea also brought in Kate Niemcek, um and Rochelle Rosenberg, the penciler and colorist who were on... Uh, Mockingbird, and then Joe Caramango, who did the letters. Mm. Uh, so Joe and Kate were not at this panel. But what we see, like, as they're taking the, the stage in this, you know, smallish room, it wasn't like a huge auditorium or anything, um, is Chelsea, you know, sitting in the first seat, and then Leah right next to her, uh, and then Rochelle. And um, then these three young women, <laughs> very young women. <laughs> and uh, my, my friend Chris and I are, are sitting there going like, oh, that, you know, Okay, I, I guess they're part of the creative team or something, or, you know, or they're or they're there for sort of an aspect of this. I just because of the way I read books, don't linger on the front matter too much, mm -hmm. um, or else I would have seen this that there were three eighth grade girls who contributed <laughs> very much to the creation of this book. Now, was that obvious? To, so that wasn't at all obvious to you when you were reading well, the, the trade what, of single issues. As I was reading it, what was obvious uh, to me, uh, and I think this just speaks so highly for like, like how well this was all put together was I was thinking when there would be sort of like they're, they're like sort of journal entries or poems by, uh, you know, a girl uh, who will be credited with like one name and then it'll say like age 13, you know, so it, it, theoretically like someone in the story. That's how you read it is like this is just sort of, you know, some uh, – you know, color for the story that they mm -hmm. put in like a page of this. And I kept thinking like, this is amazing how this jumps into this voice of a 13 year old girl. Mm -hmm. um, and then there are places where the art is distinctly different, but because, uh, and again, see, I didn't know Leah was a graphic designer. I just, mm -hmm. I went into this like pure, like, just let me, I'm just going to read it. I knew what, where the creative team had been before on Mockingbird. But um, other than that, I, di I didn't dig into the sort of behind the scenes stuff. Um, 
So even though the, all of those people and their bios are in the very front of the first issue, it had just sort of escaped me. Um, and uh, I, it is so the, um, the first writer is Chelsea's daughter. And, you know, comes up like totally naturally. Chelsea just turned to her daughter and said, I need to write this thing that's like in a 13 year old girl's voice. Can you do that? Basically. Um, and then as they're, you know, talking about the creation of this book, her daughter, Eliza, um, Eliza Fantastic Mohan, um, she brings in an artist friend of hers and then another poet friend of hers. Um, and they all like, on this panel, Chelsea lets them all tell their own sort of origin story and introduction to the book. And it was just so neat. Um, you know, like the way she introduced uh, Emily Powell was she said, you know, this is a 14 year old girl who makes a living writing haiku. Ah, love it. <laughs> um, and as there was you just, do. Yeah, <laughs> as exactly. A, as there's a 14 year old girl. There's this very cool sense that this this woman wanted to tell a story and she knew in a sense that it wasn't all her story to tell. It had to be about girls in the present day. Mm -hmm. And so she was like, this is about, you know, my daughter's class and, uh, and then pulled them in and paid them money. And it was this like moment of like, wow, that is really cool that like, you know, it, it, she didn't just sort of say, can I use this art or, or, or whatever, you know, here, like sort of throw money at them. She includes them in the creative team. They are called the ministry of trouble, this creative team. Um, and that, they're credited. Is, that yeah. is either a killer band name or an agency <laughs> name when those girls are a little older that, oh my God. Yeah. And they agency uh, of trouble, oh. they were a uh, ministry of trouble. Ministry they were of trouble so, sorry. So impressive. Um, and, uh, and really so vital to this book. Like this is one of the things Chelsea said was, you know, she recognized that her daughter's friends and, and their friends and their generation, she was like, they are just angry. Like there's just a rage under there that, um, you know, she, she could see. And I, and I think what I, I think what she means is it's not, it's not like on the surface. Um, and in fact, in the course of the discussion, her daughter said uh, very plainly, like she's an optimist, you know, she, she does not subscribe to this sort of nihilistic, like, you know, you can't do anything about it. Kind of, we can't, we can't fight the patriarchy. So whatever. Um, one of the girls was very funny and and said, no, I am a nihilist. I don't know why, <laughs> you know, how this will ever get fixed. Um, but uh, so Chelsea set about, she went to write, she you know wanted to write this book and was, you know, digging into it through these different themes. And one of the things she thought of was it's really a monster story. Okay. And who are in our society, in our culture at this moment, what are the biggest monsters? Like or the scariest monsters who is the patriarchy more frightened of than teenage girls. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so then um, the story, uh, uh, the like literal story of the comic is that toxoplasmosis, the um, parasite that lives mm -hmm. in uh, cat poop? Um, and well, and only if they eat, eat a mouse that has it. Yes, like, but it's in like aren't just born with it. But it's in like ninety eight percent of cats. Yes, um, and and then it's therefore like in you know ninety eight percent of their owners. Like it's um, this is a real thing, toxoplasmosis. Mm -hmm. So in the world of the book, toxoplasmosis has mutated into what they've called toxo X or toxoplasmosis X. Um, and that interacts with the hormones and the, the estrogen that is um, 
uh, uh, produced when uh, a, a girl starts menses. So mm-hmm. when girls start to get their period, uh, they start turning into were panthers <laughs> and <laughs> brutally killing <laughs> their <laughs> families, parents, any authority figure. Okay, you know, now right out of the gate, I got to ask, like, why isn't there a contingency plan when a when a girl starts to yeah. mature that she's not like taken to a you know a, I mean, a special facility or somewhere that can help her deal with that in a safe set, way? The setup of this book, like Chelsea's done such a good job because that is exactly the first question you start asking when you figure out this world. You're like, well, what's going on? Like, are we at the very, you know, you you, you can't be at the moment of realization that that's what's happening in the mm-hmm. comic book because then that would take so long for them to figure out what's actually going on. Yeah, so this whole book takes place years after they have figured this out. And okay. So their contingency plan is to dose the water supply with hormones that prevent women from getting their period. <laughs> so that creates brilliant. another side effect, of which course. is that you don't want um, the society doesn't want young boys drinking that hormone filled water. Mm-hmm. So they so then there are all these uh, in world advertisements for. Um, different things like estro pop or something, which is just like a sparkly water. That's like free of estrogen, you know? Um, so, so that boys drink basically like canned water all the time. Okay. Um, and can you I mean, only buy that if you are a boy or do they let girls do it too? Or is that illegal? Like how, they, how deep do they go? They treat it like a four loco kind of like, <laughs> okay. Well, but see, that's another great way it fits in with, um, with the world that we actually live in. Um, Like there's a great page where it shows the school rules for boys and it's like no running, no fighting. And then it's, and then next to it is like rules for girls. And there's like a thousand rules, you know, like bra straps can't be seen. The skirt has to go down to the knee that, you know, um, and all these things to like, keep, keep the girls from displaying any, you know, nascent sexuality kind of thing that that whole idea that like you know the it's the 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 woman temptress is the you know the cause of the downfall of man you know not um can i ask this is a fairly new book i mean this only started october of last year 2018 that it was shocking to learn i was like wait this hasn't been going as long as like fable or or sorry saga or any of those yeah and then that being said is this is this clearly a book I know you mentioned it was sort of, you know, kind of one of the inspirations for it, but is it clearly a book shaped by the culture and time in which it was created? Oh, meaning, you know, the Trump yeah. presidency and all that. I mean, is yeah. that a huge reason it exists in this? So, yeah. And the way they handle that shape. again, like I just will not stop praising this book. The way they handle that, I think is so uh, deft that there are times where like there's a TV playing in the background. And then even that TV might, you're maybe you're only seeing it from the back, but you're, but the, uh, you know, the speech bubble that's coming out of the TV is Trump's words about like, when you're a star, they let you do it, you know? Oh, got um, And so there's just this, this background hum of the, the misogyny we literally live in, you know? Um, and, and, and it's great. So, so yeah, so this starts and all these cat attacks have already happened and they're living in a world that's mostly contained. So the, lead character that we're introduced to in the very first page is uh, imagining in her first panels, uh, imagining a superhero called tampon woman, 
which mm-hmm. is just like a giant tampon with a cape on it that is a superhero. <laughs> um, and her name is Maud. She's the central character. Um, and her parents are divorced. Her father is uh, just a police officer. Uh, police officers are just police officers. Um, they're not well-funded. You know, they're just like, they're just city employees. But then there's a special, um, uh, like a SWAT team that deals with cat attacks, should they okay. ever happen. Okay. And like SWAT, it is an acronym. Uh, I forget what it's for, but it's called SCAT. so there's the scat team uh and uh her mother is part of that but they are divorced and so uh, there's you know obviously like they're going to work together and things like that we don't really meet a lot of the mother you see her in flashbacks and you see maud maud will just better than a flashback will just tell you the story of like, you know, this is what was happening with my dad when this was going on. I just love um, that her name is Maud. What a great yeah. little call out to the B Arthur TV series. That was, <laughs> you know, very highly feminist and very empowering for the I, time. I have a feeling that some of these names are significant in that they like, I think they may be referring to real people who are in comics. Oh, okay. And I'm not sure who Maud is, but there's some other names that pop up where I'm like, I think I know who that is. It's not, um, but wait, it's not real names from like the girl's class, the actual like real girl's it, classes. It may be. Okay. Um, the, so anyway, Maud, uh, you know, she's dreaming of tampon woman when this opens and her father, the, you know, his first scene is he's going out for a bike ride, but he gets called away on uh, to a crime scene, which is a cat attack. So, um, uh, you know, why Maud would be dreaming of, tampon woman or imagining her and then you know like later at school there's this great pov shot of maude looking down at her underwear and seeing a blood stain in it and you know so you're sort of aware that like maude got her period what's going on Mm -hmm. and what will play out over several issues is that maude and her friends wondered what would happen if they stopped drinking the water Mm. and so they have been drinking estropop and the reason I said it's sort of treated like Four Loco is because it's not, and Four Loco is a, a stupid example, but it's like it's like a gimmicky kind of drink. Like if a girl's drinking it, it's not illegal. It's just like, hey, that's for boys, you know? Um, and so like when they're caught by the principal, it's like the parents don't even take it seriously. They're like, big deal. You know, it's like, whatever. She was drinking like a, you know, a Red Bull or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this was very deliberate. And so the way that that plays out, like, is it's just, again, like to use that word, it's just deftly done. It's like, I found myself really interested in all of this backstory as well as the forward story of like, where, where is this going? Like how, what is, what's Maude's intention from this? Does she want to turn into a panther? Does she just, you know, is there like a political bent to this or is it just kind of like teenagers experimenting and it's all of the above. It's like, which is perfectly teenage, you know, like that's, that's just what it is. It's like, you don't necessarily have like, uh, uh, you know, real hardened ideals or, or maybe you have ideals, but you don't have a hardened like route that you're going to take. You're just kind of experimenting with everything. Um, so what, uh, yeah, to get back on track, I, one of the many beautiful things about this book is that every fourth issue, they do a special issue that's totally different. And so like I've already mentioned, so one thing that sets it apart is this graphic design from Leah Mitternick. And so she does these like estro pop ads that look like freaking magazine ads, you know, Mm -hmm. in fact, the creative team on that panel would talked about how they, like someone asked them what their favorite 
uh, parody ad was. And they all talked about like when they would get the finished issue and see that sometimes they were just reading the issue and they would just think it was an ad. In the oh, issue. Nice. Like cool. they were like, oh, we're selling ads now. And that was like, wait a second. You know, I mean, they look amazing. Um, so one of these special issues we talked before we, we recorded, I actually in the comic shop a month or two ago actually purchased the issue number eight. What's happening to me and can it be stopped? Yeah. Which is amazing. I didn't realize that was part of the series. I had seen the man eaters thing, but I thought it was more just like a a special man eaters one off, which it sounds like it is, but it's also part of the, the canon. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's sort of like an in-world thing. And that issue that you mentioned is the one that has, um, how would you how would you describe it? It's almost like educational games like they would have yeah. in a school. Like, yep. you know, when you're going through puberty, here are some things. Um, here are some games to play with your students in, in health class to explain puberty to them. Um, so there's a real, like that issue uh, is just fantastic. And as you know, because you bought the physical issue. So the front and back, um, interior pages are a card game about periods and tampons hmm. um, and wear panthers. And you can cut those cards out. You can cut those pages out and then cut out the cards and play this game. Like all the rules are there. Um, and there are little like sort of acting skits that you can imagine your, your health advisor, like, you know, making like your, your class go through to teach you about, this um there's the story about caged and alone and uh what, what does that one come off of um is i think that's the the i you know it's it's like just one of those teenage reality stories of like you know how this girl turned into a panther but now she's back on the right track and taking her hormones and uh oh, neat. You know, there's keeping the predator inside and um and then a bunch of great ads in that one and then issue no that's issue number eight issue number four uh had the man eaters logo on it but looked like a magazine called cat fight which mm. they designed to look like cat fancy oh, and neat. it has all these hilarious things of like um you know uh how i survived from the boyfriend or whatever that um you know i didn't think it could happen to me um with very realistic photos and then <laughs> these ads for things like estro defense which is a hand sanitizer that will <laughs> you know, like kill the hormones that are all around you this is, an, um, is this, you know, is this ads thing? I, I know Alan Moore did a lot of it in his, some of his earlier works, but it seems like this is a, a, a storytelling mechanism that a lot of image titles have embraced recently. Yeah. I, I've talked about it on Instagram a few times, showed some examples, um, comes to mind Southern cross big one. Yeah. They do it a lot. Um, uh, Nowhere men uh, does it a lot and they're all in world, you know, yeah. they're all in world stuff and they look great and they're a great way for the designers and the graphic team to really stretch their muscles and do some cool stuff. But it just, I don't know. I, I never mind it. I always dig it, but is that, yeah. are you noticing it more and more um, in, in creator owned titles? I, I, um, I don't know. It's hard to say more and more, but I definitely agree. It's like a, a trendish, or there's a certain kind of book that you kind of know you might see it in. I, I would say the big difference is that a lot of times when they do those in-world ads, it's in the same art style mm -hmm. of the comic. And what is a, um, and they address this in the panel. Like Chelsea was like, I hate it when comics have like four different artists on it and it jumps from style to style, yeah. but they really figured out a way to nail this. And I think, the, I think the the big way they do that is by not looking like the drawn style of the book. Okay. So when it jumps to an ad, it looks like a freaking ad in Cosmopolitan. Like it is glossy nice. and slick and uses wow. this cheesy stock imagery. But because Leah is a, a graphic designer who, you know, 
works for major brands, like she makes this look like major brands, you know? Um, so to me, real quick, real quick. I also want to give out a a shout. If you want to get into the collector's territory, all three covers for man eaters, number 12, the A, the B and the C cover are amazing. The A cover is more of a traditional kind of just guide, you know, almost like mid century 1960s guidebook. But then the second one is like a literal, like a, 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 a golden spine children's book cover oh, with the mother reading to the children. I hadn't and seen the, that one. I'd seen oh, yeah. the, ping, the penguin one. Is yeah. that what that other one is? Yeah, kind of. And then the third one is a, almost like a, like a political manifesto. It's got like very, again, mid-century typeface, but then some splatters of blood on it. Like all three of these covers look yeah. amazing i kind of man i almost wish they would do even more of it. like they'd lean in even more and do like a limited edition um you know the handbook for the revolution uh yeah. children's book i want i actually want the you know the golden spine like square books they used to, they probably yeah. still produce them that's yeah. what this looks like yeah. i want it as well that no this is it that's it i bet I mean, it's probably not with the cardboard cover, but that's what I want. I want the sh- the form factor and everything, the whole yeah. shebang. So they, um, so I'm glad you you skipped ahead to that because they are wrapping up with issue 12. So that's it. Oh, so good. I fully anticipate that issue nice. 12 is is a complete standalone like these others, and and now that I see that cover, probably is a handbook for the revolution. Uh-huh. Um, and I, it is just I, I, like I this feels like. Uh, I, I I feel conflicted saying this, but this is what I wanted Bitch Planet to be. Oh, and Bitch Planet is it's a different territory for sure. You know, it's a dystopian reality. There's like sci-fi elements and stuff like that. Um, but for our listeners, Bitch Planet was talked about on issue or episode fifty-three. Oh man, I'm glad you had that handy. Um, it the. Yeah, B- Bitch Planet was just a. Um, I mean, having seen this, you know, this is this is like, a, um, what's that story of like, you know, the Beatles put out Sergeant Pepper, and then the Beach Boys put out. Uh, uh, that sounds. That sounds, and you know, McCartney's like shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they put out Rubber Soul, and and then Brian Wilson's like Jesus Christ, like I can't keep up. Yeah. Um, this is like that's how I feel like what's going on between you know Bitch Planet and um. Oh, you think uh, there's an intentional uh, inspirational? No, no, no. Battle? I just, I just, I just don't want to denigrate Bitch Planet because I think it's great too. But this has so much more that I wanted from uh. Bitch Planet. Like it just has that because it is really stuck in a in a real present day world um with like the politics that we are currently experiencing it is you know it's you're, i'm just connected to it immediately mm-hmm. and 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 also like mockingbird is not strident in those opinions or anything it's mm-hmm. it's just very factual i think is like no no this is the world you know um and what makes it better is like maud has very understanding parents and or, you know, her dad brushes off her drinking extra pop, whatever, you know, like she's a kid. She's going to do that kind of thing. Um, he, he doesn't care. And, and, you know, you, you start to wonder like, are, are her parents sort of in on the plan or something like that for her to, you know, stop that drinking sound like it, it sounds like they're just like anything in life. Once it becomes systematized to a certain degree, people just mentally check out about it. They're like, yeah. Oh yeah, that's, that's a play. Like, we never think about, well, how is the fire, department you know fixing their engines are they all like is everything ready to like we just assume they've got it and i would assume like in much like this in the world it's like well we did the the water supply thing so this could kind of just fix itself and so 
Yeah, I mean, sure, they can drink that, but they're still drinking the water too. So it's, it should all even out. And it just right. Fun. Yeah, I think that's exactly how they they feel about it. They're they're, and it's also sort of, and I think that's just one of the lovely things about this this whole world that they've created is that you see that as, of course, the parents are going to think, well, look, she's got to be drinking water at home. You know, yeah. it's not like she can't drink just Estro Pop. Like mm-hmm. that's that's pretty expensive. Like I can, you know, why worry about it? That's like thinking like, what is my kid only drinking Mountain Dew? Like that's, yeah. Ooh, that's yeah, almost impossible, better. you know, mm-hmm. like, th- like when I was 13, I didn't have any, <laughs> I didn't have enough allowance to just like only survive on Mountain Dew or whatever. And yet there was um, always that one kid who did. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that one kid in your class who every class you're like, dude, is that the same one? No, it's a new one. Yeah. Like, it, it's just like Mountain <laughs> just Dew. They, it was all that. That's what all that sustained them. They didn't eat anything. They just drank Mountain Dew all day. Like, There's okay. a, uh, yeah, um, it, that is a thing for sure. Uh, so I think that's. I, I, oh, sorry, there was one more point I wanted to touch on, which is um, I, I think one of the other things that is great about telling the stories. It's not all the kind of grim Handmaid's Tale, bitch planet Good. sort of life, because the the whole way that this team has set this up with it being girls turning into cats is they're literally able to put a cute image on one page and then just like a bloody scene on the next you know (laughs) and and there were so many there were a couple of great moments in the panel where like chelsea and rochelle the colorist where they were they talked about how they'd go back and forth and chelsea's like uh rochelle i don't know how to tell you this but like can you make it like grosser like put more blood in it like this is not a blood color that's just red you know going back to and, tarantino it's almost like that was the that was the i mean was that the it sh- was it for shock is it for for yeah. uh, I mean, uh, aesthetics I, is it well, I mean, like they pointed out in the panel um and and then i'll circle up on that and and take questions from the audience uh the <laughs> the thing was like what they were saying was teenage girls see more blood than like men see in their whole life you know, and, and this idea that like they need to be protected and like the rules of the school, like they're the ones who need to keep themselves in check because of these crazy rambunctious boys. It's like those boys are wimps. You know, these girls are dealing with blood <laughs> monthly <laughs> for many days on end. And it's gross um, or, or it's not gross. Like it's just the thing they deal with. They don't even think it's gross. That's me as a as a former boy saying uh, that's gross. Um, and what was so, this is what I wanted to, you know, in, like circle up on is what was so powerful about that panel was when the girls there talked about how this comic helped them, but also like the reality they still live in. Like mm-hmm. Eliza talked about how, you know, she's still like, she has, she was like, I live in, you know, I think she lives in Portland, but they were all basically like, we live in Portland and our parents are like huge liberals and we're still affected by these societal stigmas like getting up from class to go to the bathroom because they have to put a pad on and you know feeling like then they have to hide the pad when they walk mm-hmm. out of class like, mm-hmm. nobody can know why you're going to the bathroom now mm-hmm. you know um yeah everybody poops but not everybody has a period so we can't call attention to that because that'll freak out the boys you know mm-hmm. um and they talked about sort of these like little rebellions that they they now participate in you know just sticking pads everywhere um at their signing afterwards they signed pads with a red sharpie and oh, neat. Like, <laughs> I love gave that. those out to anybody that wanted them and they there's in one of the magazines there's this really great time magazine cover um that's like are girls turning into killer cats and so that was the name of their panel at comic-con and they printed out that time that fake time magazine cover and at their autograph booth stuck that to the wall with pads 
So it was like, you can't get away from like menstrual pads and tampons and blood in this comic. So I don't think it's a Tarantino, like gratuitous uh, gore porn kind of thing. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's just to continually um, reiterate that this is what teenage girls deal with and women deal with like, you know, their whole life. Um, I love that. And it's, it's, also fitting i mean we just saw the u.s women's soccer team just crush yes. everything and have this ex kind of a tangential moment where it's like you know a lot of men who would otherwise not care like well they're just too showy it's like what are they doing it, it, it just it's interesting that this you're reviewing this book kind of in this climate i think it's, oh, yeah. it's kind of one of those right place right time things both for this episode but also for them to just create this book do you know is this team moving on together to the next project or are they moving on to separate separate they things? did not discuss that i don't think i mean because at this point they're almost like a band like what's their next album i really yeah, i, I, really I totally see. agree um and i honestly I, <laughs> I i can't speak for everyone else in the panel but i i know uh myself and chris and you sort of alluded to this too like what are those teenage girls gonna do because yeah. they could just straight up make the next comic book you know like yeah. um well if you go to ministry of trouble right now it is a landing page for for that all this stuff so oh really yeah looks oh, like that's they're, amazing. they're on their way they i mean it, it was just you know I, I like i think the word inspiring sounds a little trite or something but just to just to watch that panel and see these three girls like they're creating art that's like right in the right moment you know mm -hmm. and watching them like wow you are 14 doing this like what amazing crap <laughs> sorry for the word crap what amazing <laughs> shit are you going to be doing at 21 and at 30 it's like this is yeah. such a great outlet for them and yeah. and it's so cool that chelsea did this and invited you know these young girls to like participate in this and like really take a creative role and and i just love how all the pieces fit together you know yeah. it's like it, that's how the graphic design fits with the you know the how do you want to say it like most of the storytelling art and that's how like the the 14 year old girl that contributes art that's how her art fits together like you you're aware when you turn the page like this art looks a little bit different but because it's done in a more not pastiche way but um the the whole book itself is pastiche you know not yeah. like page to page so it's like yeah if you flip it and there's two pages that look different from the other the last two pages you're, you're not bothered by it. Cause you're like, that's just the style of the book. Mm -hmm. Um, and this, like, as you've mentioned, and, and I just want to reiterate, like the single issues, this is one of those few books where I'm like, go collect them all. Ah, nice. <laughs> Every cover is amazing. And those special issues are so cool that they like, they just, you know, um, they're just like little magazines and not like exactly you were saying with the handbook for the revolution. I am sure that issue 12 will be one of those books where it's like, that's just a book that's going to live on my shelf, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I'm now that you've pointed out the variant covers, I'm going to have to make sure that my comic <laughs> shop knows to pull every variant for me <laughs> <laughs> um, because that's amazing. And then whenever they put out a collected edition of everything, I'm, I'm going to get that, you know? So yeah. what I did at, and I think I talked about this in our um, review of Comic-Con a couple of weeks ago was I, I went to the signing afterwards and the, the younger part of the team were handing out these like cat ears. And so as we were standing in line and I, I get cat ears and they also hand out a, um, a form that's called suggestions for the patriarchy, which is, you can also find in one of these issues. Um, and what they do at, they have, they have a little field that's like, can we share this on social media? So, you know, if you want to, you can fill it out, put it in their suggestion box and they may take a picture and put it on Instagram or something. But, um, 
I just took it home. And then they signed a poster and I asked Chelsea if she could personalize it for my niece. So she did. And then she was like, oh, you're giving this to your niece. You got to get some cat ears for her. And I'm I'm like, no, I, I got cat ears. I'm good. And um, she goes, no, no, no. She wants the sparkly ones. And so she <laughs> gets out this like special pair of cat ears for my niece. And I have like the cat attack incident report form and the suggestions for the patriarchy in this poster. And I'm and I'm gonna gift this entire series of single issues to my niece when she's old enough to read them. And it's like that's cool. You know, man, I can't I I I don't know what I don't know about <laughs> adolescent girls. Yeah. Um, but this to me it just is so many thousands of miles away from you know my experience at that age. And it's one of those things I can look back through that lens of adulthood and go like my God, like it's that, you know, you don't even realize you're in a uh, patriarchy, you know, and mm -hmm. I didn't know anything about girls periods when they mm -hmm. were getting them. And in fact, right when they probably were getting them, uh, I was going to an all boys school. So mm -hmm. it literally didn't even cross my mind, you know? Um, so it's, uh, yeah, I can't heap enough praise on this book. I love it so much. Um, and I, the first two trades are out. Each has four issues in it. So that they end with those special issues. Uh, and then we'll get one, you know, two more issues are, are coming out in September and October. And then they'll wrap it up. That's it. Wow. And that's like a year. That's a yeah. year start to finish. How that perfect, is a, right? wow. That, and that's, we've talked about this with other series where there is a clearly definitive vision and a start point and an end point, much yeah. like a British TV series like that. <laughs> really. I, I, Granted, I love the longer running series too, as we've talked about Saga, East of West, Postal. Yeah. Uh, Postal is even going to like a, a sort of a sequel series at this point. Mm. But these nice, like Alex and Ada is a recent pick that did the same yeah. thing. I just, more and more, I'm very appreciative of that because it's yeah. it's more like, or Nick Wilson, which is what uh, we just reviewed as well, yeah. or what I just reviewed. It's, it's, it's nice to see a complete story and then see that team hopefully together move on to another cool project. Yeah. You don't feel like they're, they, they're doing this until they're burned out. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up too. Cause it, it um, uh, it's, you know, touches on an issue you've brought up several times, which is a couple of your favorite series are sort of on hiatus mm -hmm. and um, you know, to uh, I, I hate that anything I said about pitch planet might be construed as like criticism. Like I said, I love that series, but it was definitely one of those where the, the social climate and the political climate, like, impacted them as creators i think and they, sure. and they felt like oh boy what you know how do we keep on telling a story this harsh in a world that's getting to be that harsh like it's yeah. not you know they they sort of lost their footing of like is this satire or you know sci-fi or where are we now um and i think that's where man eaters you know in that way that i describe it as what i wanted bitch planet to be is like bitch planet didn't get that i don't i i i felt like it sort of ended its run too soon i guess um, and man eaters feels like they, uh, you know, they've figured this out and they are just going to do a year and that's it. And they're good, you know? And I, yeah, I mean, it's just like every aspect of it is so cool from the writing to the art, to the packaging of it, to the just team being so kick-ass, like on a panel, like it was very cool. So that is what a great experience to have that like total, you know, yeah, I, all parts of it. And do you see now why, a little behind the scenes of us, why you were like, we can, you know, we can delay this if you're not ready to talk about it. I was like, man, it is just like stuck in my head. Like, I don't know so much how I'm going to talk about it, but I got to talk about it because I won't be able to talk about anything else until yeah. I get this out of my head. I understand. Um, 
yeah, it's just been, um, it's just all been uh, clattering around in there. Um, and as I told you also, uh, even though I had this on my poll list, I bought the two uh, trades digitally, um, which is also awesome. The digital experience is great. Uh, but when I, so I didn't get to go into the, I hadn't gone in the comic shop since before comic con. So this weekend I picked up issues nine and 10. And so tonight, like when we're done recording, I'm going to go read. I'm so excited that I have two more issues to read. Like I didn't even realize they would be there, you know, what a nice Um, little treat. Well, and that's kind of the mark of, of a true endorsement on the show is when we buy things both digitally and physically just for the, the full, you know, the full completest experience. I, I, mentioned previous, uh, previously that uh the um uh grant morrison's multiversity i now own in three different formats right. so it is kind of i always like it when one of us goes that deep into a piece oh yeah yeah I, exactly like that is that's the the highest endorsement we can give it i think and uh, you know it's god the art is just you were talking about uh that one issue you have and just seeing it as like part of the collection yeah, is, is yeah. even if that's how you want to get into this like yeah, just pick up an issue. Like they're just so great. Um, yeah, just very, you know, very cool comic. Um, um, and and you'd ask me about like favorite panels, and this was, I just, you know, I don't know what uh, what other panel I've ever seen that was like that. So nice. Yeah, amazing. Very cool. Well, if you like this episode and you want to check out more book picks from us, you can go back into the back catalog. Uh, we've got a bunch of them. Uh, we're still making more. So if there's a book you want us to review or think we should review, please let us know either in the comment section on Instagram, send us a personal message. However you can reach us, we're on Twitter too. That's panelism.inc, uh, panelism.ink on all those services. Panelism.inc is also our website URL. You can go there, get past shows, subscribe, uh, and all that good stuff. And then in general, if you're listening to this and you aren't subscribed, Find us on uh, Apple Podcasts. Find us on Stitcher. Find us on Pocket Cast, Google Play, all those places. And Luminary. <laughs> yeah, Luminary. Um, find us on all those places and let us know what you think. Tell your friends. That helps the show spread. And uh, yeah, I think I think until next time, uh, we'll, we'll see you later. Yes, I will talk to you soon. Until then, we will spread like toxoplasmosis. <laughs> seeping into your brains and causing your motorcycle accidents. Be careful out there, kids.